welcome to the podcast of Leeds First Methodist Church. We are so glad you decided to tune in with us today. The following sermon was preached by Pastor Chris, and it is the third sermon in our church's Therefore Go series. If you would like to watch the entire worship service, you can do so by visiting our website at leadsfirst.org, and at the top of the page, go to Worship and click Online Worship. Good morning. My name is Chris Stallings. It's my privilege to get to be pastor here at Leeds First Methodist Church. We are in the midst of Father's Day and in our series, Therefore Go. We know if you follow Jesus, there's truth in the salvation that God offers through faith in Jesus. And we know that that's part of the mission or the cornerstone of our mission as a church. It's essential, but so many times... We as the church or individual in our life can treat that imperative for evangelism as optional. In his book, That's Good News, Shane Bishop writes, the evangelism imperative really comes down to three simple questions. Do you trust the testimony of Scripture? Do you love Jesus enough to share him with others? And do you love others enough to share Jesus with them? We're looking in this series as to the ways we're to know Jesus and to share him with others. Our key verse is from Matthew 28, 19, and it reads, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, go. Today's message, therefore, go with compassion. Well, do you love it when somebody treats you with sympathy? Like, you know, has a caring heart towards you? I love that, most of the time anyway. Like whenever I'm sick, you know, or hurting, I love that my family will kind of dole over me. What do they say? You feed a cold and starve a uh, fever or something like that, right? I'm like, I'm all for feeding everything. Feed a cold, feed a fever. Feed a knee surgery from a knee that won't last forever. Just feed it, and that helps, right? But I don't like sympathy whenever it's sort of like a condescending way. Like, it seems like every year somebody is getting this kind of quote in November. I'm sorry your team didn't play any better than they did, and they lost the Iron Bowl, right? That doesn't feel like sympathy, right? It's like, or if somebody comes to you and says, now bless your heart, right? You know if somebody opens up like that, it's a kind of condescending sympathy, right? You're like, just just quit, right? Well, there are things that we do or want to naturally show compassion towards. See if these resonate with you. When you see a sick or hungry child, you want to show compassion. When you see a, a hurting animal, you want to show compassion, or you see someone suffering that you share a, con, a kind of kinship or a, uh, a comparable circumstance. A Scientific American article reported on a study that found that less affluent people are more likely to report feeling compassion for others on a regular basis. So, like, if you have less, you have a tendency to want to be compassionate with those others who have less, even if you may not have the means to help them. But then there are barriers to our compassion. Sometimes we lack compassion whenever we tend to want to judge other people, right? You look back and say, well, if they'd worked harder, they wouldn't be 
in that circumstance, right? And so our judgment may limit our compassion. In our own lives, it may be that the distractions, concerns, or just the busyness makes it where we're not able or in a position to show compassion. And then another one is fear. A fear that taking a step towards compassion to others might put us at risk. Or maybe even that it wouldn't do any good at all. And so as followers of Jesus, are we to be compassionate? And if so, how and to whom? And so if you got your Bible or your Bible app, I invite you to turn it on. We're going to look to the book of Matthew in the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 9. <coughs> Excuse me. We've seen in the life and ministry of Jesus on earth, where Jesus comes to proclaim God's kingdom is coming or is about to be here. We see that unfold or Jesus proclaimed that in the image of what God's kingdom could be earlier on in Matthew and what we know as the Sermon on the Mount, where in the Beatitudes, Jesus unrolls or rolls out God's kingdom and says God's kingdom is about blessing those who are poor. God blesses those who mourn. God blesses those who are humble. God blesses those who work for peace. God blesses even those who are persecuted. It kind of culminates the Sermon on the Mount with what we know, y'all know this, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then Jesus begins to kind of live that or give an example for God's kingdom come to earth. He goes into ministry and he starts doing things like healing a, a person who has skin disease of leprosy. He goes in and resuscitates a man who has been dead. He casts out demons of those who have been demon-possessed. And so he lives into this vision of what God's kingdom is like. And then we saw last week where he began to invite others to be his disciples to follow him to help him begin to spread God's kingdom to usher it in. We pick up now there in Matthew chapter 9. We'll begin reading in verse 35. and We'll go down into chapter 10 through verse 8. Hear these words. This is the New Living Translation if you want to follow along word for word. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and the, announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. Continuing now into chapter 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and he gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Here are the names of those 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is also called Peter, then Andrew, Peter's brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and James, John's brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, and James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Verse 5, Jesus sent out the twelve apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them 
that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say, thanks be to God. Well, verse 36, we see a kind of the heart of Jesus and the kingdom of God where it says Jesus saw them and had compassion on them. You may know from the history of the era in that first century that if a person was sick or poor, it was thought or even understood that it must be a result of their sin or the sin of their family. And so if they were poor or sick, Many, even the church leaders or religious leaders of the time, had kind of left them abandoned. And Jesus goes to them and said, I recognize your lostness. He declared it wasn't because of their sin or the circumstances that were, they were in. And so he shared compassion in them. It's important to contrast compassion in this passage with the term mercy, which we see introduced or talked about, like, for example, in Luke chapter 6, where Jesus says, go and love your enemies, right? And so with compassion, there's a, a sense that begins with sympathy for others, and with mercy, it begins with a sense of forgiveness for somebody who has done wrong. But both end or conclude with showing kindness. And Jesus commands both. Now you may find it difficult to show compassion to people because you haven't yet shown them mercy. This can come about whenever you have that kind of judgmental barrier to showing compassion. When you look at people and you say, well, I can't be kind to you because of what you've done. Maybe because of what they've done to you or because of what they've done in general. You think, well, they just are getting what they deserved. This is especially true of those religious leaders who had abandoned the lost sheep, so to speak. It may be even true of you. Maybe if others have let you down. Maybe if you've been let down by family or even a father who never met the expectations to go with compassion is to move beyond the simple sympathy or even empathy, but to move into action, to sharing a kindness, to sharing something that makes a difference, to share that with others so it has an impact. In order to do that, you may have to at first show mercy and then be able to show compassion. Let's look at this passage to follow how Jesus modeled going and showing compassion. You got your worship outline. I invite you to take it out. If you've uh, clicked the link, open it up and to follow along. These passages are in there and a place for you to take notes as well. Number one, therefore go with compassion to work with others. To work with others. Verse 38 Chapter 9, verse 38 says, So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. Jesus had begun his ministry and he was calling his disciples, the 12 listed here, to help him roll out or usher in God's kingdom. They were instrumental in expanding that message. In fact, the strategy began with connecting these 12 disciples 
is something like 12 disciples for the 12 tribes of Israel. And so he says, go first to them. Use those networks. Use your connections in your family to build a bridge to let them know God's kingdom is here or is at least near. And then we get into the point later where we see in Matthew 28 where he says, okay, now we've shared the message with Israel. I want you to go to all the nations. So this was kind of like a strategic first step. God wanted us to be connected with those that would help be a part of his ministry. Jesus did this to share that good news. Your work in following Jesus must also be connected with others. That's one of the purposes for which we gather as a church. There is absolutely a benefit in in sharing life and locking arms and doing life together. So when you face a a down week, you've got somebody to share that and to uplift and encourage each other. But it also brings a kind of multiplying impact where the sum is greater than the individual parts. That's why it's so important to be unified as the church. If we look at the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, we see a perfect love and a relationship shared. And that's the desire of God that we would be connected in loving relationship with Him, the Trinity, and with each other. That's why it's so important to be unified as a church. If your attitude is one of extreme individualism, I'd invite you to compare that to the relational nature of God and to his purpose in the church. That if you are unable to be united with the church and its mission, evaluate, is there something wrong with my theology? Is there something wrong with me? Or is there something wrong with the church that I can't unite with? I'd invite you to be united with this church. I think it's at least the best church on the block, maybe in the whole town. Last week, we celebrated people that are covenanting into membership with the church. 33 people have connected with the church as members in the last six months. But if you don't feel like you can unite with this church, I pray you unite with some church so that you can be a part of the mission of God through that connection. In the church, there's something about being united that God multiplies the impact into your life and into the life of others. And so Jesus begins to usher in the kingdom by saying, pray for, pray for others to be a part of this harvest, to unite. Number one, go with compassion to work with others. Number two, go with compassion to announce the gospel. Go with compassion to announce the gospel. Chapter 10, verse 7 says, Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. The work of the church is activated by proclaiming or announcing the kingdom of heaven. You may have heard this saying that's attributed often to a a Catholic tradition of St. Francis of Assisi. St. Francis of Assisi, easy for me to say. It says this, it says, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. And I will say, that's a cute saying, that's a reminder for us to live in such a way that we 
model what it means to love God and to love other people, right? So that's good. But it stops short of the mission of the church. We cannot forego the responsibility and the strategy to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. We can't just let our good be what preaches to the world. You must announce the gospel. Say what it is you're announcing. Jesus did this as recorded in the gospel of Luke. His beginning his ministry, he goes to the synagogue and unrolls the scroll of Isaiah, and he begins reading. And it says, from the Isaiah, it says, the spirit of upon, excuse me, the spirit is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor, to proclaim the release of captains, to proclaim the favor of God. There's a spokenness or announcing or a proclamation that must go with us as we are going to do good. Shane Bishop in the book, That's Good News, writes, he says, I constantly remind the people of Christ church, that's his home church, our mission is not to do good. Our mission is to connect people with Jesus. If bringing people to Jesus is your mission, a lot of good will get done in the process. If doing good is your mission, your failure to prioritize evangelism will kill you by a thousand paper cuts. So if you follow Jesus, you must be rooted in the purpose of connecting people to Jesus. Avoid the temptation to do good for your own pride. Look at me how good I am. Avoid the temptation to do good to feel righteousness or to feel righteous about yourself, or to somehow be morally superior to those that don't do good. Right? Let every good you do start with a heart of connecting people to life-giving faith through Jesus. Tell them Jesus loves them. Show them Jesus loves them. And then tell them again that Jesus loves them. Go with compassion to announce the gospel. Number three, go with compassion to meet tangible needs. Matthew 10, 8 reads, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have given. You see, there's a both and. Both proclaim or announce the gospel and then show it to people. You can't just say God loves you and then bye. You can't just show them God's love and never point them to faith in Jesus. Every follower of Jesus, the Bible teaches, is gifted by God's Holy Spirit when you follow Jesus to have a gift that helps in the mission of the church. Those gifts are varied, and not everyone has the same gift, but I believe you cannot 100% follow Jesus if you don't have at least a little bone or element of compassion in your life. You may not have the gifts to heal the sick. You may not have the spiritual gifts to cast out demons. But you can still live a life that's guided with compassion. In a recent Harvard Business Review article leading with compassion, Stephen Tresiek writes that compassion can begin by simply asking the right questions. He writes, instead of yes or no questions like, do you need help? Or is there anything I can do? Things that tend to 
invite a simple no answer. Try asking things like, what can I do to be helpful to you today? What can I do to take, excuse me, what can I do to make your day a little better? Or what can I do to take something off your plate today? Things that give you a door that opens a door to a conversation to listen to how you might be compassionate to people. I say this often. How can I pray for or be helpful to you in a specific way today? Compassion moves beyond the emotion of sympathy or even empathy into an active response. It's not just sympathy, it's sympathy that leads us into action. What does that mean? Well, I can be driving down the road and see a car on the side with a flat tire or their hood up and think, whoo, I feel bad for that poor boy. (laughs) I wouldn't want to be him. In fact, you feel empathy. I've been him. I've been stuck on the side of the road. Man, I sure hope somebody helps him. (laughs) Right? Well, that's sympathetic or even empathetic. But compassion moves to the next step. I feel bad for them. I'm going to stop and see if there's anything I can do. Right? I've got a jack in my trunk. I'm going to stop and see if they need it because it looks like they're trying to use, like, you know. I'm going to stop and see if they, I've got a AAA account. Maybe I can call in, get some help. That's a a simple thing. I don't even know if that's the best thing. You might not be equipped to help people like that. But you can have eyes to see, as Jesus saw, let him to say, have compassion for folks. Have sympathy for the concern in their life. And then to have a, a heart that wants to listen and to take steps. Show God's love to them. So as we endeavor to go, I invite you to take both the proclamation of the good news of Jesus and to meet some tangible needs. See it, feel it, and then do something about it. Therefore, go with compassion to meet tangible needs. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the, the good news and the blessing of compassion ushered in by your kingdom. God, we know that we are enemies to you in our sinful state, yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, showing the ultimate compassion. God, I pray that you would give us a heart to unite with others about the work of your church. Not radical individualism, but radical community united about the mission of our church. Therefore, go and make disciples. God, I pray that you would help us to be about proclaiming or announcing the kingdom of God. And God, following that up with real actions that make an impact on people's lives. We would proclaim the name of Jesus. Show his love to others and then point them to faith in him. It's in Jesus' holy and powerful and resurrected name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We would love for you to visit us in person at 8.45 a.m. for modern worship or at 11 a.m. for traditional worship. If you would like to plan a visit, simply text the word CONNECT to the number 205 772 
and you'll be sent a link to get you started. Thanks again, and God bless.